We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. Let's talk a little bit about Rob Palenka today. He's been someone that has been a little under-discussed, especially with all the, at least I, I was running my mouth this offseason about not wanting him around. So I wanted to uh, to get into that because uh, I, I think it's worth exploring. One of the favorite things that I've discovered during my basketball journey, even before covering the team as media, has been the discovery of the existence of what I call the different wisdoms of the of the game, meaning that there are several different approaches to look at the game, all of which have value. There are good opinions within that perspective. There are bad opinions within that perspective. But it's the acknowledgement of those different perspectives that they have validity in in and of themselves. The I always laugh about like the eye test versus analytics debate because they're both correct. But the people who skew heavily on one side or the other have a lot of difficulty seeing the wisdom of the other side and the validity of the other side. Those aren't the only wisdoms that there are out there, but those are the best example of that. Another example is I always think of Eric Pincus, who's a buddy of mine, but is also one of the smartest basketball people that I know. The reason for that, beyond just his individual talents, is that he's been covering the Lakers for about 15 years now. And there's a great deal of institutional knowledge that comes with that from being in the building, talking to the same people, building these relationships over years and years. I always give him a hard time that he should be more out there with how much he knows about this stuff because he, he's a really brilliant guy 
guy who has one of those wisdoms that, that I talk about. Another one is players. I don't always agree with players. A lot of time I strongly disagree, but they have experienced the game of basketball in a different way than any of us ever will, and they are worth listening to in their basketball opinions as a result of that. So all of that brings me to Rob Palenka. I was very upset at his retention this offseason for a number of different reasons, the most important of which was that I didn't know what he brought to the table. And he's not a guy who, he wouldn't be the reason why a star came here. We have other people who are responsible for the draft. He had no experience in putting together a cohesive roster, and last year's roster didn't make much sense. Even though he wasn't the guy directly in charge, he contributed to that. So it was like, hey, we're the Lakers. Why are we screwing around with this? And there's no evidence of what wisdom he can provide. But 16 games into the season, I can definitely see what he does bring to the table. And that's the the personalities of this team mesh too well together along with their skill set for it to be a coincidence. These are all guys with something to prove. That's probably the common thread through most of the guys on this roster, whether it's Frank Vogel as a coach, Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins, all have something to prove that they belong in the NBA. LeBron James is on a mission to show he's not the washed king. You've got Avery Bradley playing his way back into the NBA, Dwight Howard, all sorts of stories on this roster of guys who feel like they've got something to show to the basketball world. I give a lot of credit to Rob Palenka for recognizing the value of that. And now I see a little more of the wisdom that, that he brings to the table. That's an excellent point about just this specific group of people, both on the player side and on the coaching staff side and the assembly of that and, and, and sort of building that mostly from the ground up. This team is totally different from last season. It isn't just because of the free agency and how that went, but like the big trade that Palinka executed as well. And we talked about this a lot with Aaron on the podcast a couple of episodes ago about the dynamic change within the locker room and around the team with sort of the shuttling of young players and exchanging them for veteran guys. And the reason why that occurred was really getting Anthony Davis as a foundational player. Before we go too far into forward thinking and, and sort of what Palinka did, I want to take the fork full of crow away from your mouth a little bit because I think it was fair to a certain extent to view the wreckage that was the Lakers over the summer and place that at the feet of the people who were still here, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways to sort of frame the 14 and 2 start is, I think, to give them even more credit than what they've gotten because of the depths of where this organization was in April and May of 2019. And I think the way that we viewed Palinka, some of that was probably unfair. Some of that was probably because of dysfunction that had to do as much with the people who are now gone mm -hmm. as the people who remain. It's like that accumulation of power that exists now with Rob Palinka and maybe Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis and Jeannie Buss. That doesn't necessarily mean that it was all nefarious, right? That the way that they got that power was, was all bad. Some of the reason why they have that power is because Magic Johnson vacated that and left that power vacuum. I don't want to be so quick to just say that, oh, well, Rob Palinka was the one who was left behind. So let's blame him, 
right? Mm-hmm. And not bl- not put some of the blame on Magic and, and everything that came with that since he was the one who had that chief title, right? So while it is Thanksgiving week and I'm very happy for us to have a little bit of crow with our candied yams and stuffing, right? <laughs> I don't want to frame it as, well, we were completely just bonkers to sort of say, well, what's really going on here? Especially when you consider the coaching hiring process, which is something that we talked about before during the Frank Vogel podcast, and just a lot of stuff that surrounded the team at that point. Well, this is where we're going to be wrongest most often is when reviewing you know, front office personnel, because how much of their day-to-day do we see? What is Rob Polinka like to work with on a day-to-day basis? What are his strengths and weaknesses? Those are questions that we can answer less than we can with a player. Like Quinn Cook goes out there and be like, all right, this is issues with his ball handling. This is his issues with defense. He's you know supposed to be a good shooter, but he's having issues with that. But we can see it all out there with a player in ways that we can't with a person in the front office. So there's a lot more inference with guys like Polinka than there would be with the player. And now to and to say that Polinka's done a fantastic job isn't to say that there haven't been mistakes made or that there isn't places where he could have done things better than he did. What I wanted to acknowledge though with that whole setup at the beginning is that I see now through the evidence of how this roster was put together and the way that it works in a particular way, like there's no way that happened by accident. You know what I mean? No, I definitely agree. And I think that there's a reason why the executive of the year, right, or the general manager of the year award is most often handed out to the guy whose team, who either pulled a bunch of free agents or whose team sort of outperformed where folks thought it would be, right? It's mm-hmm. it's probably the most results-based job that exists, like coaches and front office people. Mm-hmm. No one calls a win empty, but people will call stats empty, right? So uh-huh. a right. guy can have like a 32-point game and people will be like, ah, oh, well, someone had to score those points. But no one ever says, oh, well, someone had to win that game and somehow this team got 60 of them. But what did this guy do? Right. Like, like, yeah, there's no there's no empty 60 win team. Right. They're- yes. That is never the narrative. So I think when the Lakers sit at 14 and two, you do have to go back and revisit what did Rob Palenka specifically do in building out this roster that has them clicking the way that they are? And on some levels, how much of that is related to him and how much of that maybe is not? Sure. I think it's good to sort of have this discussion about Palenka and have it be more open and not just have us sit here and say, well, look how wrong we were and yuck it up about how great he is right this minute, right? But to get back on point, let's talk some about some of the things that he did this offseason. Where do you want to start? I'd like to start with the Davis trade, but if you want to start somewhere else, let's start somewhere else. No, listen, we could start with the Davis trade. That's something where, yes, because I still, that is one of the places where I I think that they needed to keep yeah. one more asset. Now, if it could have been a blue chip asset, great. But even if it's Josh yeah. Hart, Right. And even if Josh Hart doesn't stay on the team or, you know, whether it's Lonzo or Ingram, like at at this point, 
you you probably had to give get rid of both of those guys, and maybe you did just absolutely have to get rid of all three of what we consider the blue chip assets with Lonzo Ingram and number four. All right, but. If you have like one more asset, you can cobble some salary together. Maybe Kuz has to go out, but you can get like a star player type of guy. I think with one more asset, we're going to see if the Lakers have enough. But if they don't, there are a few paths to get more right now with their current situation that concerns me. And I think you can engineer that back to the AD trade while full well acknowledging that if you have a chance to trade for Anthony Davis, you do it, dummy. You don't mess around with that. Yeah, and I think I lean more towards that latter point than I do your point, even though I was nodding away, especially with the Josh Hart point. I would have loved to have kept one more player. I actually would have loved to have had that player be Lonzo. I know, though, from like a logistical Mm -hmm. standpoint and the salary and sort of the fallout of not I don't want to say negotiating this because that that really does sort of put it on Rob, but but not being able to put together the deal in a way where the timeline worked, where the salary of the number four pick could be aggregated into the deal to sort of make it so that the Lakers could get there without having to give up as much actual salary ballast with players who were already signed to contracts. Right. So I would have loved to have had that player mm-hmm. been Lonzo. I think that that creates an a domino effect with this roster that is actually even better for the team than if Josh Hart is here. I think that you could probably still have Quinn Cook and keep Alex Caruso, still have Lonzo Ball, and then guess who's not on the team? Right, right. Our guy. Yeah. Right. I think we're seeing the value day in and day out of what a player of Davis's quality provides, especially defensively. I think that the combination of bringing in Anthony Davis and everything he needed to do in order to complete that trade, and then hiring a defense-minded coach Mm -hmm. with Frank Vogel, that pairing specifically, I think, has really been, it's been the foundation that this team has been successful with. I'm sure LeBron James' revenge tour and his greater commitment to defense through this first 16 games is you mostly put that on LeBron, but I think having a defensive-minded coach and a peer superstar player who really is committed to playing defense at that level and went out in the press right before the season even started, like I want to hold LeBron accountable defensively. I want him to make an all-defensive team. I want to be defensive player of the year. I want the team to have the best defense in the league. All of that is a product of having Davis on the roster. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to start with that trade specifically, because Palinka could have done a variety of different things this summer. He went all in for a guy who, as much as LeBron even, I would say, has helped sculpt the culture of this specific team Mm -hmm. this season based off of what this specific player values and how he shows that value every night on the court. He's the defensive leader of this team, which is one of the best defenses in the NBA. They've slipped a bit recently playing bad teams and kind of giving just enough effort to win games, you know, that and that that shows up on the defensive end, right? Yeah, missing Avery Bradley, too, I think is something that has really shown up lately. Compare the two Memphis games, one game where Avery Bradley played, and then look at John Morant's numbers, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And I thought the Lakers really missed Bradley just specifically for that individual matchup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So with Polinka, there, there was something you brought up that kind of got me thinking about our previous conversations about Vogel, how we've given him some praise. And Polinka does something similar that I think he deserves acknowledgement for is we've given Vogel a lot of praise for taking a collaborative type of approach. Hmm. Well, that exists in Polinka's world and role as well. In that going all in for AD, you and I can quibble all we want about Josh Hart or a 2023 first round pick that would be a nice asset in a trade that we could move for a guard later in this season, Lonzo, whatever. But Polinka knew that you know, LeBron is the guy that you need to hitch your wagon to. And LeBron needed Anthony Davis on this team or a player that caliber. And he didn't screw around with doing that. And he got it done in ways that, yeah, could he have leveraged, used his leverage better? Because because the Pelicans really didn't have that much in the way of viable offers, especially in, in the aftermath. Yes, he could have gotten a better deal out of that. But he understood that that needed to be to be done. But beyond the AD trade, where I do think he made some mistakes, the other guys that were brought in, the Avery Bradley, the KCP, love him or hate him, right? The, uh, you know, bringing JaVale back, Rondo as part of this. This all falls into a culture like what, like LeBron playing hard isn't just because of AD. And it's because the overall culture of this team, there are a bunch of ballers who play hard, man. Like these are competitive people. They've got specific skills. They're old enough to know what they do well and what they don't, but they really enjoy basketball. And as somebody who does myself, and I know you do too, like really resonates with the game on that level where I deeply appreciate the mentality of this team. And I think that that lifts, that's like the difference between LeBron closing out on a regular basis and not. Because like, even if you're the most popular guy in the room, you don't want to stand out in a bad way when everybody yeah. else is kicking ass, especially when you know the right thing to do. So par- there's a peer pressure to this team and the culture of it that I really like. Yeah, I think too. Like, And I'm not going to sit here and like turn this into a bashing pot about a bunch of other players, but some of the things that you're talking about here are points that have been made against a player like James Harden mm-hmm. and for a player like Steph Curry. These are things that we see across the league day in and day out about who's going to lead, how are you going to lead, and that not only comes through by what you say, but it's how you play and not just your ability to to score 30 points or dish out 15 assists, but are you making some of the little plays that show up in terms of winning, and are you making enough of those yourself so that when you're asking every other player on the roster to make those plays, you don't look like a jerk. Right, right. They can take you seriously. Yeah. Like, why aren't you closing out? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you making that extra rotation? Why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? Those things can't just fall on the Avery Bradleys and Alex Caruso's of the world. They need to fall on a player like like LeBron James too. And in in shifting this back to Palinka, I do think that he targeted specifically guys who could compete and not only compete at a high level, but bring very specific particular skills not only he knew but that were pretty clear a good roster is going to need in in order to compete at a championship level this goes back to even guys who I like wasn't necessarily high on him bringing back like I don't know where you were on Avery Bradley but I was just sort of eh 
Avery Bradley? Like, no, nah, I, I wasn't a fan of it for the MLE or the, what was it? The room exception that we gave him. He's a guy who hasn't been good the last couple of years. And the funny thing is, is that if you put him in the wrong situation, I don't think he'd be very good this season either. What he brings to the table fits. Let's let's be more specific about this. I don't want to be too you know esoteric with this. Avery Bradley is a great ball pressure defender. If you have the ball, he is going to get into you better than most guys in the NBA. That has a weakness to it, right? That if if you get up into a guy, they're going to get past you more often than not. It's a matter of can you stay on their hip? Can you stay attached and funnel them into bigs? If the Lakers didn't have the bigs that they have, Avery Bradley playing the exact same way would be a very bad idea. But this goes to the GM, right? That what Avery Bradley does well might not work in every situation, but when we've got JaVale, when we've got Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, then later Dwight Howard, but when Palinka made that decision, it was DeMarcus Cousins. We've got the size and rim protection back there to be able to not have that as a weakness, but actually as a great strength. It plays to Bradley's strengths. So even aside from the personality fits, the skill sets, and we don't think of defense in terms of skill sets often enough, but the defensive skill sets really match up with each other in a way where everybody amplifies each other. No, you you took the words right from my mouth right there because that signing specifically, looking at it through... um, through the benefits of of hindsight, it's like, ah, yes. Like, he's looking at what does this team need, right? At that point, I think he had already signed, like yeah. he had already signed Troy Daniels. He had already Danny signed Green as well. Dudley. Yeah, all of um, that had already gone down. Yeah, he Danny came down Green later. Most of well, the team was together. Yeah. Right, like I think he had already gotten, yeah, like he had gotten almost all of these players. And I think one of the things that this team probably really did need was a frontline defensive guard who could defend at the point of attack the way that Bradley does. Those types of signings and incremental building of a roster from the ground up and adding, oh, we need a little bit of this. We need a little bit of that. Okay, what's left over? Hmm, what do we need? Ah, that thing. He really did a good job of stacking the right types of skills together so that the whole puzzle sort of comes together to form a good team, right? He didn't necessarily sign the best individual players. And when judging each individual signing in a vacuum, Mm -hmm. it probably is easy to sort of chuckle and say, "Uh, Rondo or like, what's Quinn Cook going to do, right? Or Avery Bradley, he's been bad the last few seasons. But when taken in the aggregate, you sort of see how now through 16 games, how a lot of these skills sort of interlock and and sort of form this phalanx, right? This big shield that is going to be able to to really batter its way through so far a lot of the league. It's interesting you bring up the idea of like a puzzle fitting together in that how he built this roster wasn't necessarily in my eyes a, oh, we have a gap here, so we're going to try to fill it with this player who possesses that skill set. It was building upon a strength. Like a lot of times we try to fill in the holes of what our weaknesses are. The other approach is like, let's maximize our strength. So when you have 
Anthony Davis is kind of the centerpiece of our defense. It's like, all right, well, what can he do? He can protect the rim, but he can also cover a bunch of distance on the perimeter. Anthony Davis's ability to erase mistakes means that everybody can be more aggressive with what they do. And so signing a guy like Avery Bradley is that he's not the only guy on the team who defends in that manner. Caruso does this too. KCP does this too. They have similar weaknesses as defenders, but guys who can really get up into you and really light up the ball handler, that works on this team because of how it makes sense. It builds upon a previously existing strength to where it's compounded now rather than being like, oh, well, we've got rim protection back there. The other approach would be like, we've got rim protection back there. So let's sign a guard who can score off of a ball screen, which is what I'm always complaining about, right? But might not be a great defender, right? But we need a guy who can sign off a a ball screen. And that fills out a more balanced roster, but that might not be better than just being like, hey, let's build on this strength and turn it from really good to absolutely great. No, I think he did the same thing on offense, too, in terms of building around LeBron and and that crazy skill set that LeBron brings to the floor offensively. You could very much say the same things in in terms of relating it to Anthony Davis's defense, right? LeBron's a three-level scorer. He can score out of the post. He's a great passer and playmaker. He's a big forward, but he can he can initiate your offense. And so what did the Lakers do? They sign, oh, let's get this shooter. Well, he can't really handle the ball. Oh, well, so what? Let's get this shooter. Well, you know, he doesn't really do much besides just stand there and shoot. Well, so what? Mm -hmm. Let's get this shooter, right? And on and on and on, he sort of got guys, you're stacking strength on strength and you're maybe sort of saying, well, a lot of these guys have the same weaknesses, but guess what? We've got this ace in the hole with this do-it-all offensive player in the same way that you just described Anthony Davis as this do-it-all defensive player. That's right. That's right. And so that approach kind of is indicative of the wisdom that Palenka does possess. Now, I want to get to some of the mistakes or some of the holes that perhaps we've seen. I've got a a friend of mine named Mario, and the reason I wanted to do this podcast around the idea of the different wisdoms of basketball is both Mario and Eric are two of the guys I talk to the most about hoops offline, or at least off of of Twitter and and most of the normal channels, is that they they both possess wisdoms that I respect. All offseason, I was kind of freaking out talking to Mario being like, Man, like, we've drafted so well, we got LeBron for free, and we built this roster that has, like, an outside chance of winning a title. And Mario, all offseason, was like, man, this squad is a monster. Things are going to be just fine. And I'm like, you're always an optimist, Mario. Like, you always think the Lakers are going to be great. You thought we were going to the finals last year and blah, 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 blah. Well, it turns out Mario was right, or at least a lot righter about this than I've been. The one thing we agree on is that they need another big wing defender, which I think you yeah, agree on as well. I do. The thing that we disagree on is that old guard who can handle some of the playmaking responsibilities. Mario thinks it's less of a problem because you're going to have LeBron at 40 minutes plus during the playoffs. I think you're kind of playing with fire by not having that. Now, is there somebody out there right now that can fill that role? Probably not. So I'm just complaining over spilled milk. But I I do think that if the Lakers lose, it's going to be a combination of that wing defense and not having a guard. Lakers built on a strength, as we just talked about. Should they have addressed that at maybe some of the sacrifice of building, you know, signing a Avery Bradley rather than a guard who could score off ball screens? 
I don't know. So questions like that, I think that they're easy. And I'm not saying this is what you're, well, you're doing here. So, so no shade your way, my fellow podcast co-host. I think it's easy <laughs> to always say, should they or, or, or should they have done this? Not could they have done this, but should they have done this? Right. And should is always, I'm always hesitant to frame things within the context of should, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are no, there are no shoulds in life unless you're doing the thing yourself. I don't have a way of saying, should Pete have opened the podcast this other way? Or should Pete have done this? No. Could Pete have? Maybe. What actually ended up happening though was this for all of these reasons that only this person has access around all of the different variables that exist at this particular time. And throughout even, and you'll recall this even based off of some of our conversations over the summer where things were looking dicey, right? Mm -hmm. There's always sort of this benefit of the doubt that I try to give people when I do not walk in their shoes and I do not quite have all of the information of everything that's out there in terms of what dictates a final decision. So it's important that we look at how things actually went down rather than as some blob in the past. We were trying to sign Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard took a long time to decide where he was going to sign. That's By right. the time he decided, there weren't any decent guards on the market. That's one part of this is that like, yeah, if we could have gotten a ball screen score, by the time that we were able to move off of Kawhi, and we both agreed that you stay on that. Now, I think they probably could have done better in terms of getting their intel, because the Lakers thought they were going to sign Kawhi, and that's not how it worked out. But if you think you've got a ch chance to get him, of course, you wait for him. Well, by the time that happens, like Corey Joseph is the best point guard remaining or something like that. So at that point, you don't have the alternative of the guy you wanted to get, or you could go in a di different direction on. So then you have to pivot and go like, hey, let's get somebody that that amplifies the strength that we currently have. So I think it's a, a hole on this team, but considering how things went, I'm not sure how he could have addressed it even beyond just the should. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am with this. I think if if you gave him an opportunity to maybe rectify some of these things by the time the February trade deadline comes around and there's something favorable out there for him to basically make a move or if for some reason some guy ends up on the waiver wire and he's a buyout candidate, I would imagine that there may be some roster maneuvers that Palinka might explore, right, in order to, to create a more balanced and well-rounded group. That said, going back to the summer, I'm just of the mind that you had it right, that there's only so much he could have done based off of how far along they went in the process waiting for one thing to develop that ultimately did not go their way. That said, the recovery from mm -hmm. all of that is worth highlighting here. And this is why I think that we're recording the podcast that we are today, right? It, it's, it's this idea that, yes, he had LeBron, 
But he also traded for Anthony Davis. Boom. So there's your sort of foundational two pieces. He then went out and signed, basically, I would say, very good to the best options available to him at the prices that were there based off of um, a mix of outsiders and returning players, right? And then he took a couple of gambles. He went after DeMarcus Cousins, got him for super cheap. Cousins gets injured. And then I think this is where he does deserve credit. The Dwight Howard signing to me is one that you and I were both like, come on, man. Like, this guy? Yeah. Yeah. What was like, interesting with that, Palinka talked about their conversations, which kind of plays into this idea that if Palinka possesses this wisdom of kind of how a locker room and how a team dynamic works together, both in terms of skills, but also personalities, Palinka, the thing he put forward when discussing why did you sign Dwight Howard is that we talked to him and we thought he was for real. And that's really indicative of kind of this guy that understood the overall chemistry of this team and the overall personality and needing assurances that this guy, because people like you and me are going like, really, Dwight Howard, not because of his talent, but because of the type of person that he yeah. has been and the type of behavior that he's exhibited that, hey, this is a bad idea. Well, it seems apparent that Palinka had those concerns too, but they were addressed in a way that you or I could never know, right? Those are those right. behind the scenes conversations where Dwight actually convinces you that like, oh no, Dwight gets it now. If Dwight gets it, oh crap, that's a great idea. We should sign him. Yeah. I also think too that Palinka's background as an agent gives him avenues to a bunch of intel around the league, not just like current day, but from his past that, that I think also helped inform big picture thinking. We're all a product of our experiences and the lives that we've lived and, and all the information that we've gotten from all these different avenues and conversations that we've had. Palinka's been around the league a long time. You don't think Rob Palinka knew what a pain in the ass Dwight Howard was? Right. He repped Kobe Bryant. So who do you think had conversations with Kobe every once in a while about what things were like in the Laker locker room? You don't think Palinka has history with other guys around the league where he would know what Dwight was, was actually like? And so to actually sort of then see firsthand and get a sense of, hmm, like this doesn't seem like BS to me, that like that's going to matter to someone who actually has a back history with sort of understanding of what maybe some of the pitfalls would be if things hadn't changed. Absolutely. And with all of this, with Palinka's understanding, there are also some external factors that I think have broken the Lakers way. So every team needs a little bit of luck, every championship team. Frank Vogel was not the Lakers' top three choice, right? So That's Vogel right. working out right. yeah. as this like defensive guy who can motivate LeBron and do all of that, like it's nice at this point to act like, oh yes, that was the plan all along. We were going to build this culture and have Frank Vogel come in and do that. We know that's not how it actually went down. But again, a great recovery, just like with Kawhi. You also have, and I think this will play out more in future seasons as this team hopefully stays as a contender, is having Jesse Buss as the guy in charge of the scouting department is really unusual because most of the time, guys with with his track record are looking for a general manager position, a president of basketball operations type of gig. Jesse Buss cannot 
go to another organization. He is an owner of the Lakers. He would have to forsake his share in that to do that. So if he's as talented as he's shown himself to be and and him and his department, now he will lose guys to other teams who get promoted who aren't under the same auspices that he is, right, that can get promoted to a better job somewhere else. But if he's super talented, that's a very unique place for a franchise to be. And so does that mean that like Zach Norvell is a ninth man on a title contending team in a year or two, or Taylor Horton Tucker can contribute by the time he's 20, 21 years old. We've seen all the baby Lakers are around the league, not just the number two picks, but the Lakers have contributing rotational players all over the league since 2014. Do we realize how unusual that is? How many guys they have in that time span? I, I put a tweet out the other day, man. Like, so you have the three number two two picks, right? But beyond that, Julius Randle, Mo Wagner, he was featured right. in, in one of Zach Lowe's columns the other day. You know, he's like shooting 50% from three and over 60% from the floor. He is a contributing rotation player for the Wizards. You still have Nance and Clarkson. The bloom is off the rose a little bit for both of those guys, but they are contributing players on this Cavs team that looks competent now, right? Mm-hmm. Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant's another guy. There's just... A lot of like, hey, this guy can play. When you're talking about building out a championship roster, one of the things that I look back on and where things started to shift and pivot for the Lakers as they sort of aged out of their last championship window during the Kobe and Powell era was like, let's get rid of the Sashas and the Jordan Farmars. Those were guys that were sort of raised in-house, right? They were cheap late first round draft pick guys who actually contributed to winning teams before they got jettisoned and like sort of like wanted a bigger role or wanted more money or wanted this or wanted that and then they had to go right or or were just no longer the right fits as as like better players came in those types of players are always key to your success, right? You can look at even a team like the Warriors, where you look at a guy like like Kavon Looney or like a Draymond Green. I'm not saying that any of these current like young Lakers guys are, are, are going to end up as, as good as Draymond, but the way that you win in this league is by getting guys who sort of outperform their draft position. Kuzma looks like that kind of player right now. Josh Hart's another guy, right, who we talked about fondly earlier. If a THT or a Norvell or whoever comes in one of these next two drafts where the Lakers actually own their pick, if they can hit on a couple of these guys, that's super useful for how you want to build out a roster in years two, three, and four of what you hope is is a sustained run, if not a run of winning championships, a run of being a high-level contender. And that's something that can help make up for, hey, maybe Palenka gave up a little too much yeah. in the AD trade. Hey, we lost almost all of our young guys. Well, when you find a Caruso, who's the first of the like JV Lakers, I would say, yeah. not your D'Angelo or Randall or Lonzo Brandon, those guys, but the guys who've kind of come up through the system, you know, you got Jamario Jones was, uh, you know, on, on the Wizards and is bouncing around. You've got all these guys that are kind of like in quadruple A. Yeah, and David Nawaba. 
Right. Those types of guys. Caruso is like the first one that's really latched on and stayed with the Lakers. If you can get a guy like that every year or every other year, and that's not easy to do, but this scouting department has helped to do that. That's something that can really make up for the Lakers' lack of draft picks going forward. It provides some degree of sustainability. Are you going to get a superstar there? Probably not. But that's probably not how we were going to get our superstars anyway, is it's going to be through free agency. It's going to be through trades, although there are less in the way of assets, or those guys are helpful in those types of trades. Like if if we needed to move, make a move for somebody, I, and you know, God strike me down for saying this, I'm going to get you know uh, hate mail for this. But if Caruso needed to be traded to get a better player in here, he's got some value around the league. Teams know he can play, so all those things add up to matter. And so, just putting a bow on all of this, I had Palinka pegged incorrectly. There are some things that I still have concerns about, but I now see that there's a certain wisdom to how he did what he did while still acknowledging some of the places where he needs to improve this roster. I feel a lot better after 16 games that this guy knows what he's doing on some level than I ever have before. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to close close with too is while Magic Johnson was well, was here, the Lakers had a very out in front of the camera executive, right? And I think a lot of people sort of went with this idea that, oh, well, that's the Lakers, right? Like they, they are the flashy team and, and it makes sense to have a guy like Magic Johnson running the show. When was the last time you actually heard Rob Palinka talk? Yeah, he's been during the season. And right now, by the way, would be a great time for him to be preening in front of the cameras being like, yeah, that's right. That's right. This team is all me, you know, and taking credit. He hasn't been doing that. No, instead, he's been still been behind the scenes. And I've been appreciative of that. One of the things I really enjoyed from the Mitch Kupchak era was just sort of the fact that mild mannered guy working behind the scenes. I do not think Rob Palinka's a mild-mannered guy, right? But he is working behind the scenes, and Mm -hmm. he is not out in front, and he has been collaborative. I actually think one of the smart things that he did was sort of, through back channels or whatever, put it out there that he had been consulting with, you know, the Lakers stars, right? And that sort of burden sharing, um, I think, serves him well, and it also sort of puts it out there that, especially as things have gone well, that, hey, you can come to this team, you can have some, some input, and, and we can all be in this together and, and, and reap the rewards of that. And he doesn't actually have to be out in front saying that stuff now. That's exactly it, man. So that's a, a nice thing to break right thus far this season has been kind of this uh, emergence of, oh, that's 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 what he was going for, right? Even if I don't agree with everything, there's something there that's cohesive, makes sense, and so far works. So props to Polinka. Uh, thank you for putting together this pretty good team that I've had more fun rooting for than anyone in a while. And I remember we were talking about how like we weren't really invested because this is all other teams' players. They've their commitment to basketball and how much they love the game has really won me over. I mean, 14 and two, you know, that's, yes. that's the number one thing, right? But just how they go about their business has made me fall in love with this team. No, they're a great watch each and every night, even if, you know, 
I'd like to see them playing a little bit better, even as the wins rack up. I had said this online, but you know, thank goodness um, all wins count the same in the standings because some of these last few have been like, oh man, just like. Oh, they're going to get bit in the ass very soon against a team that they shouldn't lose to. They are figuring out exactly how much effort they need to put forth to win games. I, I get it. It's curious to see and kind of a sign of how good they are that they can kind of BS for the majority of a game and then close it out the way yeah. that they have. So it's it, in some ways, it's a testament to how good they are. But yes, they are going to continue to drive us crazy in that respect. I think I've already reached a place where I'm at peace with that. No, so totally. anyway, <laughs> this was fun. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it? me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen! Unbelievable. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.